Well, good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Y'all doing all right? Hey, it's good to see all of you. If you don't know me, my name is Tyler Jacob, I'm the lead pastor here at River Run. And if you are new, uh, just kind of catch you up a little bit about what we've been doing around here, even really for this whole year. We've been looking at this, one of this, these culture statements that we have here at River Run, and that is make the most of what you've been given. It comes off of something that Peter wrote a long time ago when he said, and he wrote, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for godly living. And we have received all of this by coming to know him. In other words, what Peter was saying was that, hey, when we give our life to Christ, God gives us all the tools, everything that we need in order to live this life and live it to the fullest. So if you're a Christ follower, you have, you already have everything that you need. The question is that we've been kind of talking about this whole year is what is it that we have? And how do we make the most of these things? Some of these things we, we, we're, we already know and we're aware of it, but they tend to be like, you know, third or fourth tier of importance in our life. But what Peter was basically saying is that these things are things that we need to make the very most out of them. Because if we make the very most out of them, then our relationship with God will get closer. Our relationship with other people will get closer. We'll have more inner strength. We'll have peace. We'll have joy, uh, regardless of our circumstances, um, if we make the most of what God has given us. And so this month, we have been focusing on this incredible gift that God has given us. And this is the gift of being able to communicate with him, to commune with him. And we've talked about prayer, and prayer really is just talking to God. But it, we're not really talking about, you know, how, to, how do we go about talking at God? We're not talking about how to inform God. We're not here to try to, how can you leverage, you know, God to give you more stuff, to do more things that you want to do in this world. What we're really talking about is the beauty of this gift. And the beauty of this gift is to be able to relate to the God who created you, who made you, gave you life, who gave you purpose and the God who, who loves you tremendously. The, the gift of prayer is, is a gift of a relationship with God and, and great relationships have great communication. So we just want to make the most of the opportunity that we can talk to God anytime and he listens to us. Psalm 116.2 says, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. I love that. Psalm 27, 8 says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. That God desires for us to have that kind of relationship. In fact, all the great ones throughout human history, the ones who really truly loved the Lord and those who had great influence and we were impacted by their influence today were people who really loved spending time with God. Not just talking at him, or not just only talking to them when they need something, but when they go through life, getting to know God and leveraging life to really know and understand him. And so we want to be people, and God wants us to be people who make the most of talking to him, that we have access to him everywhere we go. He's with us. He listens to us. And we can process life and life's difficulties and, and hardships, and even we can enjoy life's great joys with him. And, and, and it just makes our heart stronger, more joyful, more peaceful, and we get more wisdom. And so what we've been doing then, it's like, okay, so let's, how do we work on this? And we, we, we are looking at some tips, if you will, that Jesus gives us on what do we talk to the God of the universe about? If we were able to sit down and talk, you know, 
person to person to the God and creator of all things, what should we talk to him about? And Jesus gives us some tips on what we should talk to him about. It's found in uh, Matthew's writings of Jesus's life. It's found in uh, Jesus's speech. We call it the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, beginning verse nine. And we've kind of talked about these things over the last couple of weeks. Jesus said, hey, this is how, you know, how we should approach just communicating with God, how we should relate to him. First of all, uh, when we talk to him, we should understand who are, we, who are we talking to? It's not just some God who's out there or anything like that. We're talking to our father and he is holy. Holy just means different. He's different. If you had a horrible father, he's definitely different than your father. If you had an amazing father, he's even better than the best father's. He is all wise. He is all kind. He is all good. He loves us tremendously. He's a father. And so when we approach a father like that, we need to understand what is a father like that? A father like that is somebody who cares deeply about us, somebody who's more mature than us, wiser than us, and that who cares deeply about us, and that even when he disciplines us, he disciplines us because he really does desire for us to have the best life. So he's our father, and he's different. And so when we come to him, we come to him as a father. And what do we talk to our father about? Well, we should talk to our father about his kingdom and his will. Well, why should we talk to him about his kingdom and his will? Because honestly, I think one of the things, when you know God's will and you begin to understand it a little bit better, I believe that when we understand and if we were to see everything the way that God sees everything and we were to understand everything as God understands it, then we would want his kingdom to come because we would know how amazing and awesome and wise it is. We would want his will to be done. But we got to process those things with him, right? Because we grow up in one kingdom that has a will and he has a kingdom that has a different will. And sometimes that can be really confusing, but it, it takes us processing with him to say, God, you know, Father, help me to understand your kingdom. If I'm a child in your kingdom, what does it mean to be part of your kingdom? What is your will? What does it mean to be your will? Oh man, your will seems really hard and difficult and very, it really stresses me out. When we do that, we're processing that with God. Paul said it like this when he wrote to the Romans. He said to, uh, in Romans 12 too, he said, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I guarantee you that came from Paul processing, you know, many, many hours every day processing with the Lord about understanding his will and his kingdom. And, and Paul basically was challenging all of us that when, if we process that with God, then he's convinced that we will come and uh, have this movement from God's will to being kind of weird or maybe even threatening to coming to an understanding of like, hey, maybe you're onto something to, wow, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe God, you know what you're doing. Maybe you are pretty smart. Maybe, you're, maybe your will is, is really good. That takes processing. And then we talked about last week, you know, that kind of weird when we think about all the things that we need in our lives that we should bring before God. Jesus says, here's a tip. This is what you need to bring before God as you ask him for things. You need to ask him for your daily bread. And it's like, wait, you know, so last week I said, this kind of feels like a little low bar, right? Daily bread. There's a lot of things going on in our world and a lot of things are going on in my life. Just talk about daily bread. I, why do I want to talk about daily bread? Because I've never had to talk to you about daily bread because I have more than daily bread. <gasps> ah, that's it. Now I'm processing with God. Now I'm processing with God. Well, maybe, maybe God wants me to help me to understand. And Jesus is saying, hey, you know, if you, you know, come to God like this, maybe you begin to process like, wait a minute, Tyler, you have more than bread. 
You're right. I do have more than bread. And so instead of living this life of like scarcity, like I need more, I recognize I already have what I need. Not only that, but God gives me more than bread. How incredibly generous is of him to do that. And we see that God provides for our needs. But not only that, we talked about last week that when we process with God and spend time with him, guess what we find? He's the desires of our heart. Our hearts are restless until they rest in him, that he is our daily bread. He's our living water that we really need, that we kept, you know, looking for other things in this world, validation, success, money, pleasure, all of these things. And when we begin to spend time with God, our hearts begin to kind of sing with the joy of being in his presence to only recognize that, wait a minute, you're my daily bread. You're my living water. That takes processing with God to understand and to, you know, experience the richness of that relationship of going, I've been asking for stuff. When you're the stuff that I need, you're the one that I need. So all of these things are processing. And the next one that we're going to talk about today is another one that takes a lot of processing because this one really kind of hits to the core of our, of our being because it deals with our messiness, our shame, our junk. It, it deals with some of the hard stuff in our lives because Jesus now kind of turns and he says, hey, when you talk to your heavenly father, this is what you need to talk to him about. He goes on in verse 12. He says this. He says, and this is what you need to pray. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you've been, you know, been glued to the TV or the news. You know, I've been keeping up with all the news and stuff like that. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've been like going and saying, you know, to God or to whoever's in the room, like, good grief. There's evil all over this world. I can't believe it. The ugly stuff that's happening all over the place. God you need to do something about that. You need to do something about that leader to do that thing, to make them and those people to stop those things. There's so much evil in the world. Like, God, you need to do something about the evil. And it's interesting to me that when I'm thinking about when Jesus gives us tips to talk about God, he never says any of those things. It's almost like, you know, when I was processing through this, like with God, I'm like going, okay, God, you know, it's weird that there's so many evil in this world and all that. And you, and, and you don't deal with that. And, and it was like God was kind of saying to me, that's right, you know, because this is what I want, Tyler. I want you to deal with the evil that's in you. What? All right, no, no. You know? No, I just want to whine and complain about other people's evil. When the Lord says, Tyler, I really want you to whine and complain about your own evil. All right? Because ultimately, you know, God desires for us to be more concerned about what's going on in our hearts than in the hearts of other people. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about what's going on. He doesn't, not saying that we don't talk to other people, but Jesus said real, you know, clearly that when we talk to him about, you know, or helping other people to deal with their sins, it's like having a big old blog in our own eye, telling other people that they need to stop it when we have this own thing. And Jesus says, no, no, first thing is you need to take this out so you can have clarity to how to help somebody. And so instead of helping somebody out of, a, out of an attitude of judgmentalism, you're, having, you're helping somebody out of an understanding of empathy of the own stuff in your own eye. So forgive us our sins, you know. God, that you would, you know, work in my life. Now, one of the things about, we talk about, you know, uh, prayer. Um, co- good communication has authenticity to it, doesn't it? And one of the things about, you know, God desires more than anything is two things, right? To love him, to love others. 
And so when we come to him and we, we say to him, forgive us our sins, you know, what we're saying to him is a couple of things. One is, I'm just being authentic before you, Father. In fact, uh, John once wrote in a letter, 1 John 1, 9, he said this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The beautiful thing about our father is our father, one, he, he already knows our junk, right? Now, your ir- earthly father, there may be some good stories that you never told him about, right? But our heavenly father knows all those good stories. He knows the ones that we even forget. And so when we come to him and we say, hey, God, this is what I did. God doesn't go, hey, angels, come here. You know what? I can't believe Tyler just said this. I had no idea. I thought he was like the perfect pastor in the world. I'm shocked. No, God knows everything already about us. That when we reveal things to him, we're really revealing it to us about ourselves. We're dealing with the denial that is already the reality and true that's within our own hearts. It's, it's coming out of hiding, if you will, to the Lord. And the beautiful thing that we see from this, and this is where, you know, it, it, talk about just the way that relationships work. Man, I tell you, you, you know, when there's good people in your life and you're open and honest with them and they forgive you and they love you, how does that impact your relationship with them? Doesn't it tighten it up? So God really ultimately desires for us to, to reveal these things to him because in revealing them, one is we're rebonding back into relationship with him. We're not hiding from him. Two, we find that when we reveal these things to him, he's good and gracious and he forgives us. And not only does he forgive us, but he continues to purify us from all unrighteousness. I mean, he keeps working at us, you know? Instead of just saying, God, you must be really sick and tired of me bringing all of these things to you. He said, no, I'm not sick and tired. Actually, I'm really glad that you bring these things to me because you're sharing your life with me and we'll keep working at it. We'll keep working at it to continue to help you to be conformed into the image of my son, Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he's, he is, he'll forgive. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness but we have to be open. That's part of being a good relationship. It's part about good communication is authenticity. The Proverbs, Proverbs 28, 13 says it like this. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will find mercy. There was a time when, when David was dealing with some of his own junk and, and he was praying to God and he wrote it down. It's in, recorded in Psalms and Psalms 32. And he said, you know, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. Okay. And all day long, you know, I groaned. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped hiding my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. I love that. That is, that is what, it, that's a window into a life of a person who, whose, whose heart is running after the Lord recognizing that there are things in his own life by which he was just like, you know, didn't want to give. There's like shame, but feeling the guilt and it was just kind of rotting away inside of him by which he finally just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop hiding. Here you go, Lord. 
I'm gonna give you my rebellion, I'm gonna give you my guilt, I'm gonna give you my sins. And at the end of that, he just goes, and you forgave me. You didn't stop loving me. You're still contending for my heart. You're still working in me. Wow, that's amazing. David also wrote in Psalm 139, I call this really the most dangerous prayer in the Bible. And you just read it, you know this is dangerous. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. The reason why I call this the most dangerous prayer, because anytime I ask God, hey God, search my heart, test my anxious thoughts, he goes, okay, are you sure? Because are you sure? Because here I go. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's bringing stuff in and I'm like going, oh, okay. But I love this because David prays this prayer and he prays this, da- this really dangerous prayer that probably would make a lot of us feel very kind of tense or stressed about it. Why does David feel the freedom to pray this prayer? Because he knows the heart of God. He knows that he is the God that reveals these things in order to purge these things, to confess them and to give them back over to the Lord and allow the Lord to continue to close these things, you know, and, and allow us to, to grow stronger and, um, you know, to work through these things. It makes us better. It makes us more like Christ. It, it allows us to process and to work things. And when we don't process things with God, we stay stuck. And so God really desires for us not to live our life and stuck and to flourish and so that, you know, he wants us to flourish and to grow. And that means being able to trust him with our heart, trust him with our mind and to ask him to bring these things up, not to shame us, but to be able to help us to work through, process these things through it so we can find freedom from that and we can also grow stronger as well. And when we do that, and we allow God to do the deep work, man, it really helps us to understand how gracious and how beautiful and how wonderful God is. You know, there was a time when Jesus was invited to a dinner and it's recorded in Luke chapter seven and, and by a religious leader and he comes over for dinner, he's there and this woman comes in and, and she's notorious in that community. I mean, she is, the word is immoral. She's a whore. Everybody knows about this girl. I mean, they all know what she does, right? And so she's famous for all the wrong reasons. And Jesus is in there and the, the woman comes in and and she just comes in, she has perfume, and, and um, she doesn't care about who's around. She doesn't care what all the people are thinking about her. She just comes in, and she sees Jesus, and she just begins to weep and, and pour perfume on his feet and clean his feet with the perfume and the tears in her eyes. And, and the Pharisee, the religious leader, is sitting there going, if he's a prophet, if this guy knows everything, because that's what a prophet, right? This guy really knows like who she is. He wouldn't let this woman touch her because she is filth. And then Jesus, knowing what this guy is thinking, says to him and gives him a little illustration. He says, hey, let me, let me ask you a question. There was two people and they both had debts. One person had 500 uh, coins of uh, silver of debt. The other one had 50. Uh, both of them were forgiven. Which one do you think loves more? Loves the person who forgave more? The one with 500, or the more of 50? And the Pharisee, you know, knew obviously what the answer to that was. Obviously, it would be the person with 500, the greater debt. And Jesus said, you're right. And she, and it says right here, I tell you her sins, 
and they are many, they've been forgiven. And so she has shown me so much love. Her mind is like blown out of water of how much she's been forgiven and she's been loved and she's been revalidated, okay? And she's just, just pouring forth just incredible amount of love. And he turns to the religious leader and says, you know, I came here and you didn't give me even some of the smallest courtesies here, you know? And here she loves me very much. And the, the thing that he was basically saying was that, you know, the Pharisee really didn't think that he did a lot of things wrong. But this woman, she knows he did a lot, you know, he knows he, she did a, a lot of things wrong. What Jesus was basically saying was that, yeah, she had done a lot of things wrong. That's why she loves me. Now, he wasn't saying that the Pharisee, okay, was less unrighteous, if you will, maybe in the eyes of the world. What he was saying to the Pharisee is, Pharisee, you have not done the deep work into your own heart. You have been masking your own sin by being consumed on the sins of other people. We have a sin bias, right? We all think other people are more sinners than us, okay? We do. I mean, that's just kind of like, oh, I don't know. And it's like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, you do it. Well, there's a reason why I do it, right? That's what we do. Or if somebody really does some really awful things, we love to hide under cover on that, okay? Because since they do so much horrible stuff, that absolves me from having to deal with my own horrible stuff, even if it's less. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. We come to the Lord and we say, forgive us our sins. We, we come, it's us and the Lord and you, you, God, point out anything in me that offends you. Lord, what is it that's keeping me from prospering? What is it keeping me from really loving? Because all throughout Scripture, and even in our own personal lives, if you've really dug deep into the, you know, uh, the, the forgiveness of God and His grace in your lives, it does nothing but help you to gain more empathy and love for other people. But when we are judgmental, and we don't deal with our own sins, and we think everybody else are bigger sins than us, guess what? We tend to be the people who love less. That's why sometimes you look at even Christians, sometimes we can be the most judgmental people because we're so busy getting amped up and angry at other people's sins and never really truly being amped up or angry and frustrated about our own. God's, but Jesus says, hey, if, you're gonna, if we're going to talk to God, if you really want to leverage this amazing relationship with the king of the universe, you know, bring this stuff with, to him and lay it at his feet. Because it's in that that you will grow stronger. Focus on that. Because then Jesus goes on and he basically says, just to make myself clear, forgive us our sins. And then he finishes up that sentence this way in the next you know, part of that uh, verse 12. Why don't you go ahead and flip it over there. And forgive us our sins. How? As we have forgiven those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven, you know, those who sin against us. Have you ever like, gone through the Lord's Prayer and kind of like, <laughs> you know, forgive us our sins, <laughs> you know? <laughs> What I think that God is basically saying to us is like, wait, 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 slow down. Maybe the sin that you need to have forgiveness for, uh, for is, is not forgiving somebody else in your own life. Remember, what's God's ultimate objective? 
God's ultimate objective is that we would love him deeply and that we would love each other deeply. Sin is what creates the division within our own lives. Forgiveness is the, is the rebonding of that, that relationship. And so, the, you know, our Heavenly Father says, hey, it's hard for you to have intimacy with me when you are unwilling to go and, and do what I've asked you to do, and that is to forgive other people, you know? That we would come and, and we would forgive us our sins and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And guess what? This should give you at least some sense of like angst, right? Because there's probably people in your life that offend you. And guess what? You know what you should do with that? You should talk to God about it. You should process with him. Oftentimes we go to God um, asking him for answers. Well, he gives you an answer. Forgive them. Well, I don't want to forgive them. You know? Well, I give you the answer. Well, I don't want to do it. But the joy of that relationship with the Lord is actually processing. Why do I not want to forgive them? What is it that I'm seeking from them that they're unwilling to give to me? And, and if they never give it to me, maybe I'm always going to be enslaved to them. And, and God begins to process that and go, no, 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 no. I'm your daily bread, not them. I forgave you. You have a lot of sins just like they do. I love you just as much as I love them. I want reconciliation with them just as much as I want you to have reconciliation with them. We begin to do those things. We begin to process uh, with God, you know, and that is so, so, so important. Now, this is important to God that we would forgive other people. You know, it's not, it's selfish for us just to basically say, hey, God, I'll take your forgiveness, but I won't give it away. It's just being selfish. And when you read Jesus and you see what he says, he pokes us in the eye of these things. In fact, next week we'll kind of get to verse 13. But if you go down to verse 14, which is right after this, he kind of circles back around to this whole forgiveness thing. And Jesus says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. All right. And that should make us feel anxious. And that's why we should process these things with God. God, I don't want to do this. Help me want to do this. How do I get to a place by which my heart is at peace to be able to do this and to want to do this because this is what you want me to do. And this is what you have done for me. You've forgiven me. And then, you know, in another spot here in the Gospels, in Luke, it goes on and he says this. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be a temptations, be temptations to sin. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. All right, that should get all of our attempt, uh, attention. Have you ever done tempting before? Have you ever tried to get somebody to think a different thought than what they should think? Have you ever tried to get somebody to do something that they probably shouldn't do or try to get something from somebody that's out of greed? You ever done that? Well, he goes on and he says this. Jesus goes on, he says, it would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. All right. Parents, anybody in here caught your kid to sin? Maybe you got angry at them and they lashed back at you. Maybe there were some imperfections in your own life and you begin to see them modeling in your own life. Jesus says, well, it would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone around your head than to create confusion into the life of the next generation. All right. Does that make any of us, any of you guys tense? It should. Because that's what we do. 
And when we understand that's what we do, we should then understand, man, I need a savior. God, thank you that I have a savior. Thank you that instead of tying me around a millstone, around my neck and throw me into the ocean, you sacrifice your son for my temptations. Should have been me. Man, you love me. You released me from that and you put the punishment onto your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's not my desire to lead anybody astray from anything that I may be tempted to. So God, please work in my life. And that's what happens when we begin to process these things and realize that our sin is a big deal. And it's a big deal because it ruins relationships with God and with each other. But there's good news. That's why it's called the gospel. The good news is Jesus Christ came into this world to take the punishment on our behalf. By which then we would recognize how much he loves us. By which then hopefully, as we allow the spirit to help us to work through that, to recognize that, man, we all need a break, don't we? We all need grace. I'm not just the only one who needs grace and nobody else does and God should just smite them all and give them all justice. No, we all need that grace. And so he goes on and he says this, so watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Instead of being consumed on everybody else, think about yourself. If another believer sins, you know, rebuke that person. Be honest, be open with them, give clarity. And then if he wants to turn, I'm sorry, forgive them, release them of that so that they too can may experience grace and, and the love of Jesus Christ. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again uh, and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Peter asked this question one time of Jesus. How many times should I forgive? Should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus goes, no, you should forgive 70 times seven. In other words, it's kind of like this. Have you ever asked God, hey God, how how many times should I forgive them? I believe God would probably say through his spirit to you something along the lines of, how many times do you want to be forgiven? Uh, 70 times seven. (laughs) Yes, go and do likewise. And in that, Jesus tells Peter and the gang a story. And he says, you know what? There's a guy who, who owned a ton of money, a ton of money. And he comes and he begs for forgiveness of his debt. It's huge. And he is forgiven of his debt. And then the guy who was forgiven of this huge amount of debt has a servant in his own life who had a small little debt, not a big deal. But he was mad because he was a greedy guy. He was, he was willing to take the forgiveness of debt, but he was not willing to give forgiveness of debt to him. And when the king heard about it, the king was mad. He was mad. And so in Luke, and so anyways, and so when he tells the story, he says, you know, um, you know, Jesus gives the illustration here of like, hey, when you ask for, you know, when people need forgiveness of you, you need to remember the massive amount of debt that God has for you. And when we do that, because it's a big deal. God wants us to forgive other people. He doesn't want us to be selfish people that, that we wouldn't be people who would take his forgiveness, but we wouldn't give it. But we would be people who would take his forgiveness, be grateful for his forgiveness 
And out of the joy of being forgiven, we extend that grace to other people. Why do we do that? Because remember, what is it that God ultimately wants to do in our lives? He wants us to bond a relationship with God and bond a relationship with each other. When we refuse forgiveness, it breaks those relationships down. And that's why Paul, when he wrote his letter to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, he said this. Why don't you jump to Colossians chapter 3. Paul wrote this. He said, make allowance for each other's faults. All right? All of us in here have faults. We do well when we make allowance for each other's faults. Uh, And forgive anyone who offends you. Okay? And remember, as you're doing and you're processing, you're thinking about this, remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. That's what it means to express the love of Jesus Christ. The love of Jesus Christ is willing you know, to forgive the debts of other people towards you just as God has forgiven his debts, you know, your debts towards him. And above all, he says, this is why we forgive. Clothe yourself with love. That's why there's forgiveness. Because love is about the bringing of together. And when we sin and we all sin, we all need a break. I need a break. You need a break. I need allowances to be made. You need allowances to be made. But when we tether our hearts to the love of God and remembrance of God's love for us and his forgiveness of us, we extend that forgiveness and that love to one another. And above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Y'all, here's the deal. We're not going to become perfect in harmony by being perfect. We all struggle with sin. But when we have empathy for our own fallen nature, that bonds us together. When we are open and honest with our own things of how we've hurt each other, then there's an opportunity for bonding. When we forgive one another, there's an opportunity for reuniting and and coming closer together together. you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the same way that we come closer to God. As he forgives us, our hearts are, are mended, our hearts scream out to the Lord, Lord, I am coming. As Paul said, don't you know that it's God's kindness that leads to change, change of heart. And so we extend that same kindness to each other. In this moment, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of respond to that. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And you're going to have some opportunities right now just to walk that out with the Lord, to process that with him. First and foremost, we have communion on, that other, on each side. And communion, that's what it, communion basically speaks loudly. I love you. I forgive you. Your sins are a big deal. I mean, they're, they're a lot because a good man had to die for our sins. They weren't small things. They were big things. So a good man died in order for us to be reunited with our God forever. And so as we take communion, let us first and foremost reflect, God, search me, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And thank you that you give me the opportunity to do that because of the, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, that through that, there's no more barrier of sin that I can come to you and be open and honest with you and, and allow you to work through and process those things with me. There's also going to be some uh, of our elders and some of our team up here on the cross to be able to pray for you as well. 
There may be things in your life that you may just be going, hey, you know what? I know I should forgive others as, as I have been forgiven and this is what's going on in my life and I don't know if I can do that. And that's okay. That's why we process and work through these things. And we have people there to help pray with you through those things or no matter whatever is going on in your life. These are tips on how we, we talk to God, but there can be all sorts of things going on in your life that these, um, you know, our leaders would love to pray over you with. You can just stay right where you are and just pray there as well. And, you know, lastly, we have our offering baskets out there. Offering is just another way of expressing, God, you have forgiven all my debts. I am free from you. So, Lord, I trust you with my finances, with my offerings, that you would use this in the lives of other people who are struggling, who don't know you, or who are struggling, who do know you, and they need ministry like what goes on around here in order to continue to find freedom and strength and community here as well. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would just speak to our hearts wherever we're at. We're all different kinds of places, Lord. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to take that next step of faith and trust in you, because that's what good relationships are about. Good communication, good trust. And so as you kind of work through these things, Lord, I pray that you would help us to remind us of the freedom that we have to come to you with all that we are. In fact, you desire for us to do that, because in that, we are bonding closer together with you. And so, Father, as we just kind of deal with whatever's going on, I pray that we would also listen to you as well. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.